it's going to be a little bit different today. I may not use a lot of scriptures. I may not do what I normally do. I just want to talk to you a little bit, a few things about fathers from the heart. Talk to you maybe about my father, about our spiritual fathers, about you being a father, about kids a little bit today. And um, see where we come out. I've had it stirring in my heart for a little bit, and I talked to Keith about it a little bit yesterday. And he went, hmm. And I said, do you don't think it's good? He said, oh, I think it's great. So um, we'll see where we come out. I know when Keith and I very first started in the ministry, I mean, this has been, I won't tell you how long ago because you'll know how old I am. No, you already know how old I am. When um, we were 17 years old, we really started got to get a hold of some tapes of Brother Copeland, 17, 18 years old. That's been a long time ago, right? I am 61 or 2. I'd have to ask Keith. He's not here. Somebody tell me how old I am. Yeah, something like that. 61 or 62 years old, something like that. And um, so that's been a few days ago, right? But one of the first things we got a hold to from Brother Kenneth was how good our Father God is. How good our Father God is. And how he wants us to have good things. And we were so glad to hear that because we were so broke. How many of you have ever been to the middle of Mississippi and seen how many trailers that there are there? You know, that's where we lived. There's still a lot of them there because there's so much poverty there. And, and you know... If you don't have the revelation of God's Word, you can stay there your whole life. And we got a hold to this when we were very, very young. And we got a hold to the fact that God was a good, good, good Father God. And we got a hold to the fact that our Father Abraham, our Father Abraham, was rich. Praise God. Our father God was rich, and our father Abraham was rich. Do you know that they are your father God and your father Abraham, if you're saved? Okay, now, wake up and hear you. Forget who's talking, or or we can just say, Happy Father's Day and go have lunch. Right? Okay, is he your father God? Is he your father Abraham? Yes. Yes. Is he rich? I'm not going to talk about prosperity today. I'm just talking about what happened with us. Come on. He's rich. And we found out how good he was. And we needed it so much. Because let me tell you what I did. First off, Keith went and bought us a trailer. Okay? He put it on his folks' property. Let me explain this trailer to you so you can know where we came from. Some of you know, some of you don't. This trailer cost us... $2,999. Not $3,000. $2,999. Because they didn't think you'd buy it if it was $3,000. And we had to borrow the money. Of course, we didn't have $3,000. And we had to make payments on it every month. That's where we were. And we both had worked full-time jobs since we were 13, and we were... Just got married. We were 17. Yes, we got married two days out of high school. Some of you are looking at me like I'm insane. We're still together today. Amen. So that ought to tell you something. And we got this trailer. It was a fancy trailer. It had red carpet and black leather furniture. Keith calls it black um, imitation leather furniture, which he says is vinyl. It had no stove, no oven, no heat. Any of you ever lived in a place like that? Yes. You got to start somewhere. That's where we started. Some of you never even raised your hand. You you skipped over that step. That's where we lived. 
It had none of those things. I bought a hot plate and a toaster oven, and I cooked on it. I could cook cornbread. I could cook peas. I could cook roast. I could cook almost anything without those things. And we got a um, uh, heater stove, you know, one of those old-timey heater stoves, and we cut the roof out and put a pipe through it in a trailer. And we made it. And I have fond memories of that horrible trailer. And let me tell you why. Because we had a little bitty, bitty, tiny, tiny, tiny tape deck that was about this big. And I worked for a doctor that gave us tapes. If he wouldn't have given given them to us to listen to, we couldn't have afforded to listen to them. Mm. And it told us from Brother Kenneth Copeland about the goodness of God and how good our Father God was. And it set us on a path. And it told us how good He was and how He wanted us to have a good life. And it lifted up our vision and how He loved us. Now, I was raised Catholic and I had never heard anything like that. I had never heard that God loved me that way. I had never heard that God wanted to do things for me that way. And that He would take care of me that way. So we made a list. We made a list of everything we needed. He said God would give you anything you could believe for. what he said. So we made a list. We needed everything. We needed everything. And we didn't have nothing. And it wasn't like we weren't working. We were. But our jobs didn't provide enough to get us by. We made a list of a car and clothes. And I mean, we were so broke. Keith needed tools to work on stuff. And I went to Sears and uh, bought on credit a $99 set of tools and charged them and was paying $10 a month for them. That's how broke we were. That, along with our trailer payment, you just start out making payment after payment after payment, and, and you're just above, barely above water. But then we found out about Rama, and you know the story. But we started finding out we had a good father. And we found out the fathers in the Bible, Father Abraham was good. Because I didn't know what a really good father was. I had no background for that. My dad was there and he provided for us. But he also had a few faults. And I won't get into what his faults were because it says honor your father and mother. But he had a few faults. And through his life, he got better and he changed and he became a good dad. But while I was growing up, it wasn't so good. And it affected my sister so bad, it affects him today. But it was so bad at one point... I wound up in a body cast because of it. And it caused guilt in his life. And it caused him to even go more in that direction because of the guilt in his life. There's a lot of people. It's Father's Day today. I'm just going to read you what I wrote here. It's Father's Day today. But there's a huge multitude of memories and emotions that are suddenly stirred up on a day like today. And they're not all good. Some have been physically abandoned, psychologically wounded, And sexually violated is what the Lord told me. A lot of people 
just want to fast forward past this day and skip it. And a lot of people, like myself, want to erase parts of their childhood. And they do. And thank God for the blood. It's under the blood. And you don't have to remember a lot of things anymore. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't remember a lot of things. But I want to talk today about how to overcome mistakes of fatherhood. I want to talk today about not sticking your head in the sand and pretending they don't exist and how to hold your head up high again. There's a lot of fathers. I, I looked it up. One in four families, the kids don't live with their biological father. Do you know that you can divorce a spouse, but you can't divorce a kid? Now, don't get quiet on me. Remember, you were saying amen real loud a while ago. Let's try that again. Did you know you can divorce a spouse, but you can't divorce a kid? There's a lot of people. I'm going to tell you a story about somebody we met years ago. Their daughters, one of their daughters especially, came and lived with us. I'm not a natural mother. I didn't give birth to any children. But I have raised a lot of kids. And I have a lot of kids that call me mom. And one of these young girls, her mother passed away, and she came and lived with us. And she still calls me mom today. I just talked to her the other day. And her mom passed away of cancer. And during the time that all this was going on, that her mom passed away of cancer, her dad was there, and uh, he was doing things he shouldn't with another lady. And it was hurting the two girls just really, really bad. Well, it came out during that time, not only was he doing this to her mom, but he had a family, you hear what I said, not a, a wife, but a family with a whole nother woman that he had divorced and left. And they knew nothing about these other kids, nor did he ever bring up these other kids. Now, it didn't hurt these two girls that he was, his, uh, their mom was dying. They knew that. She had been dying of cancer. Yes, they were hurt over it. Yes, they knew she was going to heaven. Yes, they knew she, he was going to marry this other lady. What tore these girls apart? Now, are you listening to me? What tore these two girls apart that they didn't even want to see their dad again was not the women in his life, was that he never spoke to these other kids after he left the wife. That they had sisters that he never spoke to again. Brothers that he never spoke to again. People go through life and they pretend like they don't have other children. They don't have other family. They don't have other kids. They don't have... Did you have them or did you not? Mind. Do they exist or do they not? Right. Now you see how quiet it is in here. We're going to talk about no more condemnation before this is over with. We're going to talk about how to get out of the quicksand. Good. We're going to talk about... Rob had no clue about what I was going to talk about this morning when he gave that verse. But there is absolutely no way that you can go through life pretending. If you know anything about me, I am the type of person that I face stuff head on. 
Whatever it is, we deal with it. And we go on. If it's good, we look at it, we go on. If it's bad, we look at it, we go on. Okay? It can be really bad. I have dealt with some really bad stuff. And I go on. Anybody in here a Cajun? Anybody in here? Kind of, yeah, 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 he's Cajun. Cajun over here, Cajun over here. Kind of Cajun over here. Cajuns will have a knockout blowout with you. And the next day, they love you more than they did the day before. That's Cajuns. But to me, that's forgiveness. They're not holding any grudges. And that's one thing I love about Cajuns. They're not holding anything against you. They can shoot somebody, but they love you the next day. That's a very positive about Cajuns. Is it a positive about, is your family that way? I mean, they can have a knockout drag out, and I'm telling you what, the next day they love you. My family was that way. I mean, they made me so mad at you one day, and the next day they're calling you, telling you they love you. Do, do you need this? Do you want that? That's just the way it is. But fathers, look at the verse Rob alluded to. Let me let me get it here. It's a little ahead of me. I'm going in a little bit different. Malachi four six in the Amplified. Let's just actually read it. It's in my notes. In the Amplified Classic, yes. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts. Say that word with me. The hearts. hearts of the estranged. I'm not going to show, ask for a show of hands, but how many in here would kind of in your heart look at it and say, I know somebody. Don't, you don't have to say it to you, but say, I know somebody that's got some estranged kids. Raise your hand. Raise it up high. I know somebody that's got some estranged kids. Yeah, people are not raising their hands because they don't want to admit anything. All right, that's okay. Fathers to the ungodly children and the hearts of the rebellious children to the pity of their fathers and a reconciliation produced by the repentance of the ungodly. Lest, and we won't even read the last part. But how this comes is by repentance. Repentance is basically acknowledging that it exists. We've dealt with all kinds of situations in families. Let me tell you of a few of them. Most situations in families are spouses and their kids, and there become a rift over money because of child support. So the, the other spouse does not want the other spouse to be able to see the kids because they're not giving child support or they're not giving enough child support or they're not supporting them or they're not giving their due or they're not doing this. And, and so what it does is it causes the parents to embitter the kids against the other parent. It causes talking bitterness from one parent against the other parent continuously. Have you ever seen it? Talking smack about one parent to the other parent. I have a solution for that. When we started today, I told you the very first thing that Keith and I found out about God was what? That He is good. And not only is he good, he's what? He wants good things for you. He wants good things for you. 
And our father Abraham was what? And he was also rich. Now, I've counseled I don't know how many people. Now, this is going to solve, I'm going to say, over three quarters of the problems with kids. Three quarters. Now, if you can solve over three quarters of something, you're making great progress. Great progress. And I have done it already. I've seen it work. I've done it with several people, and it's worked. The problem is a word called M O N E Y Money. Money. I had one person tell me we're supposed to be buying the kids' clothes. And the wife sent me a receipt that was supposed to be for the kids' clothes to reimburse them. And it didn't, the clothes wasn't even their size. It was her size. I'm not paying that. Just bitter. I'm not paying that. I am not paying that. I said, don't. I said, but do you ever want to see the kids? Oh, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Who said life was fair? Come on. Who said it was ever going to be fair? Nope. I don't have to pay that. I'm already paying out of the nose. That's correct. But what do you think is going to happen if you send that back and you deduct it and you have a big fight with that mother that's got the young kids? Wisdom thinks far ahead. Did God give us wisdom? Wisdom thinks far ahead. What is going to happen if you have a spat over a $30 blouse? Trouble, embitterment, not getting to see those kids. And planting thoughts in those kids' heads that you are bad. And it wasn't even the dad, it was the wife. The dad didn't even see the bill, just the wife. So what did I say do? I said, you take that bill, and you pay it, and you say, and here's an extra hundred dollars, go buy y'all some more stuff. Now, I see people going like this. I see people going. I did that not once, not twice, not five times. Over a dozen times with people. They have better relationships. I said, what? And then I went on. I said, what if you need to minister to that woman later on? What if you need to... Another one. Situation happened. Furious at the ex-wife. Doing stuff with the kids. Not letting them see the kids. Not letting them have the kids when they wanted to have the kids. Just talking bad about them to the kids. I said, talk nice about her. Talk nice about them. Treat them nice. Buy them stuff. Give them extra. Do what you can do. Walk in love. Don't post ugly stuff about them on Facebook. Don't say how they've mistreated you. I said, what if you need to minister to them? It wasn't six months. The husband had cancer. They needed to go over there and minister to them. Give them some of... I started to say the word... Somebody's healing stuff. Help them. How can you help someone if you're mistreating someone? Why did God connect you with them to begin with? You're in their life. Who is he going to use? You say, well, I don't have the extra money to do that. 
I'm so glad you said that. I am so glad that you said that. That you don't have the extra money to do that. I know someone who does. Do you remember that trailer that I was in? Who got us out of that? We had nothing. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We barely had enough to buy a $99 set of tools and make a $10 payment a month on it. But it starts with a matter of your heart. It starts with you making a decision that I am going to make this right. Because elsewise, something happens with your kids and you're not going to be able to be a part of their life. They're going to have babies. They're go- How long does it take for 18 years to pass? How long does it take for 18 years, to, 17 years to pass? Quick? And how long will they be out of that person's house? Just that quick. Then they have choices as to where they're going. Are they going to come with you? Are they going to go to the world? They only have control of them until they're 18. And if you have been there for them, you know, there's such a thing as FaceTime. I don't, I don't get to see my little niece. Her mom went home to be with the Lord a year or so ago. But Jordan's here, right here. Rachel's over here, right here. How often am I FaceTiming my niece and how long? Nonstop, right? N- nonstop. We play invisible games. We do this. We jump. We play. We do this constantly. I'm on the phone with her. Constantly. I buy her just about everything she has. Constantly. Constantly. Can you be a part of someone's life and not be there physically with them all the time? Yes. There's not a person in that town that don't know her Aunt Phyllis. Mm-hmm. There's not one. But do your kids know everyone in that town know their dad? Know how much they love their dad? It's not hard to be in someone's life, but it's a choice that you make. Am I busy? You bet you. But I can FaceTime her when I'm driving. I can FaceTime her when I'm working. I can FaceTime her when I'm doing... I just answer the phone. You've heard Dave say, when Ramsey calls, I answer. It's a priority in your life. When your kids call, do you answer? You answer. When your kids call, do you answer? They know that they are a priority to you. You don't have to spend six years with them. You don't have to spend, you can say, I'm in the middle of something, I'll call you back later, but I love you, talk to you soon. You can text them. Your kids, you, who had them? Who provided what it took to have them? Did Keith and I make a choice not to have them? You got quiet on me. The answer is Y-E-S. Why? Because we knew we didn't have the time mm-hmm. to invest in them. Well, you must have thought you had some time to invest in them. Come on. Amen. You had them. Now, why do dads begin to drink, begin to run around, begin to do these other things? It's called guilt. Condemnation. And there should be none in your life. Jesus came, God sent Jesus into the world because he didn't want to condemn the world, but to give them life. There's nothing that happened in your past that you should be condemned over. You cannot go back and change anything that happened in your past. 
You can't look back and fix anything that you did. You can't change it. My dad can't. He's gone to heaven now. I thank God that before he went to heaven, that he was able to fix some things. And we had a good relationship. Great guy. Great, great dad. But would he have changed some things if he could? I know he would. But we have got to at least acknowledge... I'm going to tell something on Rob. He'll probably make him mad. No, it won't. He, he loves to help people anyway. Something happened with his daughter. And he and I were talking about it. And I said, Rob, that's not right. And he went back to his daughter. And he said, if I represented the Lord to you that way, I'm sorry. That's not who he is. But to me, you know what that did? That made him grow five inches in my eyes. Do you understand that? Anyone that is willing to go back to their kids and say, Hey, I didn't do everything right, but I'm here for you now. I didn't get it all right. You know what? Everyone has sinned and fallen short. Maybe you weren't even saved when you were that age. Maybe you didn't even know how to live for the Lord then. But you have grown now. Your life is different now. You can do things different now. Do not neglect the gift that God has given you. Make it right. And maybe you don't want that child. Maybe you are the father that is... Let's see how I can put this. Maybe you are the current father in that child's life. Make it right with them. Love them. You don't have to be a biological father to love them. You don't have to be a... um, Blood, father, to love a child. Just be there for them. Don't, what's the word I'm looking for? Judge them with what you know now and expect them to live up to the standards you have now like you never made a mistake. Let them know that you love them no matter what happened in their lives. Now, let's go at it from another angle for just a minute. Say you are the child. I told you about what happened with me. And when I was growing up, there were some problems. And and, uh, I know my dad regretted some of them. I was a daddy's girl. If it, something needed to be brush hogged or, or something needed to be done with a truck or, or I would go and set out fish hooks and catch fish and I was a, I was a tomboy. Pure tomboy. Because I was my daddy's girl. I did everything with him and for him. But there were some problems. And they weren't, they were not sexual problems. Don't, don't read something in there that was not. But he had to overcome some things. And it caused him, when things would happen, instead of him being able to know the Lord and repent for them and get them straightened out, it would cause him to go deeper into it. And that's what happens with a lot of people. Instead of being able to repent for what you did, you run from the Lord and you go deeper into drugs or drinking or or whatever the case would be. And people don't know how to deal with things. 
So they run from it. So when the accident happened with my body cast, things got worse because he blamed himself worse. And then my older sister blamed herself for it. And things got a little bit bad for a little bit. I think all have gotten over it by now, but life was bad for a little bit. And I had to forgive. Did you hear those words? I had to forgive. I think they blamed themselves more than I forget than I blamed them. And kids are so resilient. And that's what I'm wanting to get across to dads today. When a child says I don't want to be around you, or I don't like you, or I don't want to have anything to do with you. You should go the opposite direction and pull them in closer. When a child says, no, I don't like you, that's when you grab hold to them and tell them you love them more. You don't let them go the other direction. When they say they don't like you, your last word should be, well, I love you. Your word should be to try to spend more time with them than to let them run in the other direction. Because when a child tells you that, that just means that something deep inside of them is really hurting. That's all that means. Is when a child tells you, I hate you. That just means all they want is somebody just to come up to them and give them a great big... Good. Amen. Right on. I've been around them. I've been around them that say they hate their mothers. They hate them. And I raise them for ten years and the very first thing they do is what? Go back to their mothers. Very first thing they do. Do they hate them? No. Absolutely not. What they want from them more than anything is confirmation Mm -hmm. that they're okay, that they love them. They want that more than anything. I've spent time talking to Dave. Dave worked with inner city kids most all of his life as he was younger. And kids would be abused continuously, sexually, mentally, every way that you could think of. And they, I mean, their parents would just burn them and everything you can think of. You've seen it. And do they hate them? Absolutely not. The first thing that they can think of is getting back with those parents. So if you've done bad things when you were unsaved, if you've done things that you regret, I'm here to tell you, God can wash you. He can clean you. He can get your relationship back right. They don't want it that way. They are ready, willing, and eager to forgive. It's you that's keeping the distance between them. They want you to grab them and wrap your arms around them and say, let's put that in the past. Let's forget it. Let's move on. I'm going to be a father to you, and you're going to be my child. And kids don't need you to buy them everything under the sun. They just want to know that what? You love them. You love them. Jess is not looking for me to buy her everything under the sun. She's looking for me a lot of times. When her mom went home, she didn't even want me to say a word. She would just set her phone down there and lay in the bed and know that I was there. Not say a word. That's what they want from you. They don't want you to go in there and teach them about God. They don't want you to go in there and tell them how to do everything in their life. They don't want you to go in there and change everything in their life. Mm -hmm. They just want to know that you are there. That you are a part of their lives. 
And you may have some family that maybe their parents are gone or maybe they're somebody else you know. Be a presence. People need fathers in their lives. Godly fathers in their lives. Godly mothers in their lives. We can be those people. We have a good, good, good Father God. Do you like to sometimes yourself just go and lay on your bed and do what? Just stay in the presence of the Lord. You ever do it? I do it often. And sometimes your kids just want to come over there and sit and watch TV and not say a word. And you think, well, you came over here and you didn't say a word to me all day long. They didn't want to talk. They just wanted to be in your presence. They just wanted to be in your love. They just wanted to be... Do you know that if you are a godly example to them, they just wanted to be in that anointing. You don't have to teach them everything with your words. You have to teach them everything with your life. You have to teach them everything with what you do. And starting with what we were talking about. If you're divorced, if you're separated, be that example to their mother, to their relative, whoever it is. And if you have kids out there that you haven't been in contact with, find them. Say, I know I haven't been in contact with you in 10 years, but you're mine. You belong to me and the Lord. You're part of me and the Lord. And I've been praying for you. And let them know. And don't try to push anything. Give them a chance to, to do what the Lord can do in their lives. I know with my dad, when he changed some things, I think of this verse. Turn to it, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the King James. Because when he changed, this happened to him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Everything old is passed away. Turn that page. Don't think about the past the way that it was. Think about the future the way that you want it to be. Press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Don't think about, well, we had these problems. You can't base your future on the way your past was. You can't base your future. Say, I will not. Base my future on the way my past was. There are so many kids out there that are... I had the numbers out in front of me the other day. They said kids between the ages of 8 to 14... 8. Did you hear that number? 8 to 14 are now... 30% of them are doing drugs. Thirty percent of kids are doing drugs, 8 to 14. Now, why is that? Because they don't have a head of their household. They don't have a solid head person. They have people that are in relationships that 
that you've got the mom that's got a child and the dad is afraid to say anything to that child because mom's going to get mad because it's not my child. And you've got a dad that's in a relationship that's been in a relationship before and he's afraid because he's messed up on these kids and he don't want to mess this one up, so he's afraid to say anything to this kid. And you've got people that are so afraid to raise their kids. And we've got a generation of people that are in fear about their kids. And what does fear do? Your fears come upon you. And we've got a generation of people that their kids are going out and there's nothing good on TV. There's nothing good on the Internet. Do you hear me? Nothing. It's either you can't watch a commercial without a naked person on it. You can't watch a TV show without violence on it. So what are you watching? You can't watch a program without cuss words. So what are your kids watching? You cannot. So an eight-year-old, a five-year-old is seeing things they shouldn't be seeing. Who is going to teach them right from wrong? If you're afraid to say anything to them, if you're afraid because your spouse is going to get mad at you, Somebody has got to be the head. Somebody's got to say, no, we don't do that in this house. No, we're not watching that in this house. No, we can't do that. You've got to be uncondemned and secure enough to where you can say, no, you're not doing that anymore. So that... We don't have our church. And you can say that's the world. It's not the world. It's church kids. Church kids are getting pregnant. Church kids are doing drugs. Church kids are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And we'd like to say it's not that way. But we want to empower you to be able to be godly dads, to not be condemned anymore, to be able to stand up and say, no, this is my place. And have a conversation with your spouse. Say, look, we got to deal with this. Yes. we got to face this. You love them, I love them. Do we want to see them go in that direction? Maybe we made mistakes in the past, but let's get a handle on this now, today. Good. We don't know the answers, but we know someone who does. Yes. Amen. Let's get in here on our knees and stop this before it gets worse. Glory. I love our kids. I love your kids. We have a generation of strong dads. Maybe your kids are 33 and you haven't spoken to them in two years. Fix it. Don't preach to them. Love them. If they come to your house, it's the worst thing in the world if you go to church to preach to your kids the whole time they're there. Just love them. Worst thing you can do with people is preach at them. Love them. Live it before them. When they see God results in your life, they're going to want these results. You be an example before them. Sky and Janet, stand up. Guys in the back somewhere. Janet, are both your kids serving the Lord? Did you preach at them every day of the week? No, ma'am. How old are they now? Yeah, and they got kids of their own? Yeah, shame on you. They're both serving the Lord. One is a youth pastor, one's up in Branson. They didn't preach it. I know I've been around her. How long have we been knowing each other, Janet? Uh huh. Get it right. Huh? Yeah. We're, we're too we're too beautiful and young to tell you. 
I mean, you don't have to preach at your kids. But you do have to live it before them. They were in church every time the doors opened. Good. They've served the Lord with all their heart. Did they make mistakes? Absolutely they made mistakes. Yes. But they repented. Amen. And they got it right. Yeah. And that's the difference. You don't run from God when you make a mistake. Amen. You run to God when you make a mistake. And that's my point that I want to get across today. I don't want to keep us here all day, but I want you to understand. God is a forgiver. God is a cleanser. God's blood can fix anything in your life. The thing that you can't do, this is what you can't do, is pretend it's non-existent. And what it will do is it will eat your guts up inside. It will eat you alive on the inside. It will eat you alive that you know you've got a son that you haven't talked to in three years. Or you've got a daughter that you've not tried to fix the relationship with. That's what you can't have. Because look at this verse and we're going to close on this. People wonder why their life has not gotten better. Let's see. Um, I'll find it. I skipped 90% of the verses, but let's see. Um... I know it's in here. Here it is. Matthew. Let's start with Mark. Mark eleven twenty five, King James. Any of you had a prayer that wasn't ever answered and you've been praying it over and over and over and over and over and over again? One person raised, three people raised their hand. Okay? The rest of you got all your prayers answered. I am so thankful. We have got some good people in here. Thank you, Lord. All right. Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, do what? Forgive. Forgive. That means your ex-wife, too. That means your in-laws, too. That means your ex-in-laws, too. Okay? Say it with me. When you stand praying, forgive. Get off that Facebook. Get rid of those accounts. All they are is gossip centers. The Bible said it's just as much a sin to gossip as it is to have sex with somebody else. Did you know that? Read the Bible. Get your Bible out. Read it sometime. It's just as much a sin to gossip as it is to have sex with somebody else. Read it. Look it up. Gossip is not good stuff. How many of you ever read that in the Bible? Yeah, some of you have. Yeah, look at the hands. She's just looking around. She's like, oh, my Lord, I didn't know that. It's good to learn stuff in church. You should learn stuff in church. Get rid of those Twitter accounts. Get rid of those Facebook pages. Come on. One person's clapping. The rest of you can keep them. And you can gossip your way right into sin. Hey, it's your choice. Nobody can make you do anything. Nobody can make you do anything. I'm telling you. Read this. Okay? When you stand praying for anything, do you want your prayers answered? Forgive. Don't talk about anybody. The greatest thing I ever did... You want to know the greatest thing I ever did in my personal life? The greatest thing I ever did in my personal life. Now, I'm 62 years old, and I'm saying a big statement here. Is quit judging. No matter what anybody does to me, no matter what anybody says about me, no matter how anybody mistreats me, I quit judging them. 
You know why? I'm not their judge. I don't care who it is. I don't care. And you know what it has done for me? Freedom. Yes. Free as a bird. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to correct them. I don't have to make them see it. The greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life was 10 years ago when the Lord taught me about judging. I quit judging. Judging goes right along with forgiving, in case you're wondering. Okay? You can't judge somebody and not forgive them. Okay. Here you go. I said I was going to get out early, but we're, we're, we're pushing it now. Um, when you stand praying, forgive. If you want your prayers answered. Okay? Um, if you have ought against any, that your Father, which is in heaven, may also, what? If you want to be forgiven of your trespasses. Now, here's the part I wanted you to get. How many of you could use some more money to pay your ex-law? You said you did. That was a little loud back there. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Now, you may think this doesn't apply to you today. You may think, well, I'm not a father. It doesn't apply to me today. Are you kidding me? Forgiveness and walking in love applies to everybody. That's right. It applies to your brother. It applies to your mother. It applies to your cousin. It applies to if you're holding back and not forgiving yourself for something else. It applies to everything in your life. You can't stick your head in the sand. Go to your brother and get it right. Go to your sister and get it right. Whatever it is. Okay? Matthew 5.23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, we don't bring them to the altar much anymore. We pass a bucket. So where's a bucket? Somebody got a bucket handy? Nobody's got a bucket. They already went to the back. You you got a bucket. You about to put your offering in that bucket. How many of you do it regular on a Sunday? Raise your hand up high. Okay? All right? And you remember. You go, uh. You're going to remember. Yeah. Because the greater one lives inside of you. Yeah. The Lord will bring it to your remembrance. Your brother or sister has something against you. You could add in there, or your child, or your mother, or your cousin, or your aunt, or your boss. Or your friend has something against you. What are you supposed to do? Leave. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Put it back in that Bible. Get up and go. Give them a phone call. Reconcile it with them. Then you put that gift in that bucket. How many of you have not got a return on your giving? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you have not been getting a return on your giving? Could it be? Reckon it could be. Is it possible that you've been on that Facebook a little too much? Is it possible that you've judged somebody? Is it possible that you got some odd against somebody, including your kids, or they got some odd against you? Didn't say if your bro- it didn't say you got something against them. It said they got something against you. money to start pouring in? How many of you want the money to start pouring in? Pour, 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 pour. Fix it. Fix it. 
Now, you can't fix it everything with everybody, but as much as is within you, live in peace. You do everything that you can to get your head out of the sand and fix it. And that was the point of today. Fix it with your kids. Try to make it right. Fix it with your families. Try to make it right. We have great fathers in here. And we have great kids in here. And we're going to fix it, right? Stand up on your feet. I know.